right. Thank you, Sister Amanda. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. While you're turning, let me just say I have been uh, blessed this week to talk to I don't know how many pastors, uh, church members. My phone has been ringing off the hook. I put a podcast up yesterday entitled Dead Churches. And uh, I just kind of waxed eloquent on the subject of dead churches and uh, hit a nerve apparently with a lot of people. And I've had some folks call and say thank you for pointing out the seriousness of dead churches. We are plagued in this country with churches that are dead. And uh, of course I grew up in church. I've been in church my whole life. And you've heard me say it. I'm dumb about a lot of things. Church ain't one of them. All right. I, I've been in church my whole life, and I live and breathe church. And, and I made the statement in the, the podcast, if you didn't hear it, I said, you can pull up on the property in some places and tell it's dead before you get out, get out of the car. And you walk inside, it smells dead. It smells like dust and mold and mildew. Yeah. And I just kind of went from there. Uh, but a lot of preachers have reached out to me. Church members have reached out to me. Uh, people are just taking the time to text and call and say thank you for uh, pointing out the seriousness of dead churches. And I just want to say tonight, I'm glad I'm not in a dead church. Amen. Life's too short to be in a dead church. And I'm grateful for this place. And uh, I love serving the Lord with you. I love serving the Lord here. And uh, well, it's been a busy day, crazy day, meetings one after the other, phone calls, a lot going on. Uh, but I had a, 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 a thought this morning, and the Lord let me flesh it out a little bit. And just to be honest with you, before I get into it, I didn't get as far into studying it as I would have liked to have. I, this thing right here, the more, I, the more I read it, the more I looked at it, the bigger it got. I had to quit. I said, it's Wednesday night. If I'm not careful, I'll come up with about a five-part series on this thought that we're going to look at tonight. But I want to, with God's help, just do a bit of a word study. We're going to look at a word uh, that is used often in the scriptures. We're not going to look at all the places it's used. It's used in more places than we have time to look at tonight. But if you'll stand with me, please, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, we'll start in verse number 10, just so we can kind of get the context of what Paul's saying, and then we'll uh, just go into this thing and see what happens. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10, for his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Apostle Paul here is referring to the way he was received uh, as an apostle, talking about how that uh, many times when his letters would be read, they'd say, yeah, he sounds all big and bad, but there's not much to him. You know, an uh, uh, older man probably, been over a little bit maybe, uh, bad eyesight some say, uh, obviously scarred and broken from the stonings and the beatings that he had been through, and even Paul himself said that when I came unto you, I didn't come to you with, uh, with eloquence and with, with, with flowering words and, and, and impressive speech, but I came in demonstration of the power. The Apostle Paul was obviously a bit conscious of his, uh, the way he presented himself in the pulpit and as an apostle, but he said, uh, they, they, his, they said his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we're absent, such will we be also indeed when we're present. He said, you just go ahead and keep telling yourself that. When we get there, we're going to be in person the same way you pick us up to be and perceive us to be in our writings, all right? We're not going to be messing around. 
when we come. But look at verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measures, though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope that when your faith is increased, that we should be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in other man's line of things made ready to our hand, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, and verse 18 is where I was wanting to get, but for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. I want to focus on that word approved tonight, using this passage as a springboard, look at a couple other places, preach on this thought tonight about being approved. Let's pray together. Lord, help us now as we look into the scriptures. I pray, Lord, that you'd take this thought, Lord, this word, and then kind of help us be able to string them together and put together these different thoughts and I pray, God, that you'd just be able to help me to convey to your people, Lord, what you kind of conveyed to me today through your word, and may we get something from it that would help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. I believe it'd be safe tonight that one thing that all of us in here have in common, whether we would be willing to admit it or not, is the desire to be approved. We all seek approval to some extent. People, even people say that they don't seek approval. Uh, kind of like when people say amen when they say that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we desire that, whether we admit it or not, that we want people to receive us and approve of us. And uh, no doubt that's the reason why peer pressure is so effective, especially with young people, is because they have a desire to receive approval, even from people sometimes they don't even like or people they don't know. Uh, the Bible uses the word many times in several different ways. We see it used in our text, the word approved, you see the word approve, you see the word approvest or approveth, uh, used often throughout the scriptures, some a little bit in the Old Testament, mostly in the New Testament. Uh, there are several Greek words, I don't want to get out too far in the weeds, but there are several different Greek words. When you look up the word approve or approved in the New Testament, they're not all the same Greek word, uh, but they all kind of have the same general idea. That word approved here literally means to be accepted, uh, to be pleasing, or to be acceptable. Uh, there's a bit of a deeper meaning for the word approved, and it's kind of particularly uh, would, would, would uh, speak of coins and money. In fact, uh, I was reading, doing a little bit of research. Donald Barnhouse said it like this. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Here's what he said. In the ancient world, there was no banking system as we know it today, and there was no paper money. All money was made from metal. They were, it was heated till it was liquid, poured into a mold and allowed to cool. Many times it would have a different king or leader or uh, somebody's face or a head in that uh, piece of money. And uh, when the coins were cooled, it was necessary to smooth off the uneven edges. And the coins were comparatively soft. And of course, many people shaved them closely. And in one century, more than 80 laws were passed in Athens to stop the practice of shaving down coins that were in circulation. Some money changers were men of integrity, and they would not accept these shaved down, uh, lighter, less valuable pieces of currency or money. 
These were men of honor who only uh, would gather or receive genuine, full-weighted money into circulation. These men were called in the Greek dokimos, or the English word approved. So we would liken that to a, a, a bona fide, a certified, accredited, uh, legitimate, can we put it that way, a more legitimate uh, money changer. Well, that word is used in our Bible in several places to describe the child of God. And so I believe it should be our priority as Christians to seek God's approval. I believe it should be our desire to be found of God to be true and to be a genuine, to be sincere, not counterfeit, not cutting corners, but, but real and acceptable. Is everybody following me tonight? So that's kind of the, the meaning behind that word. In fact, Jesus Christ is our pattern. He's our example, obviously. And he's described in Acts chapter number two at the message that was preached at Pentecost. Peter said this, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. So we see Jesus Christ our pattern is described as approved of God. You and I ought to desire to be approved of God. And to do that, we're gonna to have to decide which one we desire most, the approval of man or the approval of God, because you can't have both, not in 2021. You won't have both. Uh, I said it the other day, I've heard it said in my whole life, my parents used to say it to me all the time, if you're in step with the world, you're out of step with God. If you're in step with God, you're out of step with the world. And if you're approved of God, you will probably not be approved of the world. In fact, you'll be disapproved. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it is. And uh, in fact, it's gonna be to the point, it's almost there, the litmus test of whether or not something's right is by who's against it. I cannot know anything about a person or a subject but if, 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 the, if the Hollywood crowd and the, and the elite crowd and the, and the media crowd, if they're screaming about it, it's probably pretty good. Let's just be honest. And I kind of let that be my litmus test. But tonight I want to do a, a word study of this word approved and just look at some verses that seemingly are random other than the fact that they use that same word in them. And I want to ask God to help us tonight to seek his approval in some ways that we can from the scriptures, know whether or not God approves of our life. Let's start with our text tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. If you're taking notes, write this down. We should be approved in our spirituality. Now let's just look at the text tonight, verse number 18, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. He talked about those commending themselves in verse number 12. He talked about measuring themselves by themselves in verse 12, comparing themselves among themselves. Of course, he's talking uh, predominantly about the church at Corinth, which is not the most spiritual church in the Bible. Uh, but they had uh, multiple times the apostle Paul uses the word boast. He uses it in boasting in verse number 13, but we will not boast of things without our measure. He talked about verse 15, not boasting of things without our measure. He says in verse number 16, not to boast another man's line of work. Verse number 17, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You almost hear Apostle Paul saying, if I wanted to, I could, but I'm not going to. Right. You all want to stand up here and compare uh, ourselves and you want, to, you want to measure yourselves amongst yourselves. I'm not playing that game with you. That's foolish. That's not wise. As a matter of fact, he said we ought to make sure that God gets all the glory. But he makes a statement in verse 18 that I think is very 
enlightening. Three things I noticed about verse number 18 is that number one, we can approve of ourselves. I just want to say, let not he that commendeth, for not he that commendeth himself is approved. We've got some people that are talking themselves up, patting themselves on the back. They think more highly, as he said in Romans 12, I think verse 3, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. We've got some people that have pretty high self-esteem when it comes to their spirituality. But he says, we see we can approve of ourselves. Secondly, we see in verse number 18 that God can approve of us and God can commend us. And then thirdly, we see that God's approval is only one that counts. In other words, we can commend ourselves and say, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. God can commend us and say, yes, I approve of you. At the end of the day, what he says is what counts. A lot of people, I think, that are judging their spirituality based on everybody around them. They kind of look around and kind of do an assessment of the group they're in or the church they're in and say, I think I'm doing pretty good. Only problem is Jesus Christ is our pattern. Jesus Christ is our example. And when we measure ourselves compared to him, let's just be honest, we got a long way to go still. But the truth of the matter is God's the one that gets the final say on our spirituality and where we are. We really don't have anything to brag about and boast about. And even if we did, we don't need to. We need to make sure God gets all the glory. And I'm glad... Uh, that I'm not what I used to be, I'm not what I could be. I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be. But whatever I am, I am by the grace of God. Amen. Nothing wrong with recognizing growth in your life. There's nothing wrong with recognizing and evaluating yourself spiritually. But at the end of the day, it's God's approval that we ought to be seeking, not somebody else's, and definitely not our own. We're bad about lying to ourselves. We're bad about deceiving ourselves. We're bad about looking in the mirror and walking away with a different perspective than God has. Man. So let's start tonight with our text. Let's ask God to help us be approved in our spirituality. Let's not allow other people's assessment of us determine it. Let's not let our assessment of it determine it. Let's ask God. Let's be honest. Let's be transparent with him. And I'll be honest with you. When you get on your, on your knees before God and say, Lord, show me. Show me myself. Show me, show me who I am. He will. And you'll be like Isaiah was in chapter 6 of Isaiah. He said, in the year King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. What was Isaiah's next statement? Woe is me. I'm undone. Compared to God and his holiness and his righteousness and his train filling the temple and the pillars of the, of the house moved, when he saw God high lifted up, he realized... He needed surgery. He needed help. God sent down that angel, seraphim, come down and took that coal and cleansed his mouth and his tongue and prepared him for ministry. The point I'm making is this. When you look at yourself in the comparison to Jesus Christ and look at God as our role model, our example, uh, we ought to desire his uh, uh, commendation of our spirituality. For not he that committeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord that's a powerful verse tonight to kick off this word study. We ought to be approved by God in our spirituality. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter number 1 and verse number 10, that you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Sincere, real, genuine, without offense. 
that you may approve things that are excellent. What a statement. That's Philippians 1.10 if you're taking notes. So we see, first of all, we should be approved of God in our spirituality. But we're right here in 2 Corinthians. Turn back with me, if you would, to chapter 7. You're right there. You're right there at it. Look back at chapter number 7. If you're taking notes, write down number 2. We should be approved of God in our sorrow. Now look at this. Look at this. Verse number 8. I'm in chapter 7. Verse number eight, for though I made you sorry with the letter, I do, and I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Look at verse 11. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. And all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You see that word approved there. What's the apostle Paul saying? Well, the apostle Paul had written them a scathing rebuke in 1 Corinthians and pointed out a number of issues that they had in the church, their divisions, their strife, their, um, their picking sides and picking teams and their preacher worship and their, and their uh, putting up with sin, not dealing with sin and the leaven in the lump and and uh, uh, the speaking in tongues and the, and the abuse of the Lord's table and on and on and on and on that they, uh, the things that he addressed in 1 Corinthians. And he says, I, when you got that letter, you read it and you, it made you sorry. And it was a good kind of sorry. A lot of times people say, I'm sorry, they don't mean it. I mean, if you were growing up, you'd be fussing and fight with your brother and sister and your parents look at you and say, look at one another and say, I'm sorry. And we just look at them and go, Sorry. Meaning, I'm not sorry, but you're a sorry person. We would just say sorry. But Paul said that the sorrow that it brought in you was a godly sorrow. And he says, guess what? It was the right kind. And guess what? It, it's approved. I prove it. I proved the sorrow, the level of sorrow. And he went on in verse number 11 and detailed the difference between the worldly sorrow which worketh death and the sorrow that of a godly sort and the things that it worked and the things that it brought in their life. And he says in verse number 11, what clearing of yourselves. Boy, that's important. When you get really godly sorrow in your heart, you'll want to come clean with God. You'll want to clear yourself. You'll quit making excuses and being defensive. There'll be a clearing of yourself. Indignation, you'll get, you'll get mad, you'll get angry at the devil, angry at sin, angry at yourself for giving into it. You won't get angry with the preacher for calling it out. You won't get angry with God for pointing it out. You won't get angry with the scripture uh, for showing you what's there. You'll get righteous indignation. What fear, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal, man, each one of these things will preach. What revenge, that, that, reven that avenging, you'll want to you'll make it right. And he goes on and says, yea, in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So what am I saying? I'm saying we ought to seek God's approval when it comes to sorrow or being sorry for our sin or being when we're, when we're caught or when we're reproved or when we're rebuked, there ought to be a, 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 an approval of the way we respond to the rebuke and to the sin in our life. God will look down and say, that's how, that's how you're supposed to respond. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, a lot of people get mad at everybody except themselves. 
They get mad at the preacher. They get mad at God. They get mad. And, and boy, I've seen preachers. I've seen people get mad at the preacher for pointing out their sin. Never have understood that. Paul commended them for their godly sorrow. And he gave them a thumbs up. He said that all things you have approved yourself to be clear in this matter. By the way, uh, Paul, David said it like this in, uh, in Psalm 51. I wasn't going to go over there, but I just thought of it. I don't want to misquote it. But here's what David said in Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. God's going to be merciful on those that have repentance and those that confront their sin and get open with God and get, get honest about their sin. And David's prayer in Psalm 51 is about as honest as you can get. Have mercy on me. He said, blot out my transgression. Wash me. Cleanse me. Acknowledge my transgression. I've sinned against you. And he goes on and on. That's, the, that's, that's what God's looking for. Amen. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's merciful, his long-suffering, and his patient, but only when we're broken and contrite and he approves of how we respond to the rebuke and to the reproof. I encourage you, be approved of God when it comes to the godly sorrow. Thirdly, we'll go over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. We're right there at it. All of us right here kind of together. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number three, we should be approved of God when it comes to our suffering. Look at what he says in verse number 3 of chapter 6. I'm in 2 Corinthians 6, 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in such patience and afflictions in necessities and distresses and stripes and in imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness. Man, there's so much in here. He goes on down all the way down through verse number 10. So much in here. There's no way in the world you can expound all this. I'm just trying to touch on that word approved in verse number four. But what was Paul saying? Paul says, we've been through a lot of difficulties. We've been through a lot of suffering, a lot of afflictions and necessities and distresses and imprisonments. He says, but we can say tonight that in all things we've approved ourselves as ministers of God when it comes to the area of suffering. I wonder tonight, can we say that? When God lets us go through suffering, do we pass the test or do we have to take it all over again because all we do is murmur and complain, fuss at God and indict God? Thinking about Job, Job's wife standing there saying, won't you curse God and die? And he looked at her and said, man, he's done nothing but good to me since the day I was born. He's blessed me. He's blessed me beyond measure. He's been good to me. And, and how can I take the good and, 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 and not take the bad? He said, I'll, I'll, not, I'll not curse God. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. And I was in all these things, Job sinned not with his lips. I believe we can honestly say tonight that Job was approved in how he handled the suffering. Apostle Paul said it as well in verse number four, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. He says, when we were having a hard time, when we were being beaten and we were being stoned and when we were being mistreated, he said, we never let our light flicker. We always had a testimony that matched the calling of God upon our life. And you find Paul refers to the way we handle suffering. He referred to it a lot in his writings. Paul was a, Man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy 
Here's what he said to Timothy. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Amazing how Paul tied in that enduring afflictions with make full proof of thy ministry. You say God's called you into the ministry? Prove it by enduring afflictions. How you handle, how you respond to difficulties, how you respond to suffering has a lot to say as a Christian. God looks down and sees us when we're suffering. He allows us to go through those times of suffering. So many people question God, doubt God, turn on God during their suffering. I wonder tonight, can we honestly say that when we're suffering, that God can look down and stamp approved on our response to the suffering? We think that, we, I guess we deserve nothing but just good. We deserve nothing but good health. We deserve nothing but money in the bank. We never have, have any hardships or difficulties. Somehow or another, we convince ourselves that we don't deserve to have a hard time. I know I've told this before from this pulpit, but I'm going to mention it again because I just thought of it. I think it's relevant. I'll never forget the time I hit my finger with a hammer one time. I've done it a bunch of times, by the way. Hit the wrong nail. That's not fun. And I remember my thumb was, my thumb was just, just throbbing, pounding, and I was holding it. Going, oh, and I'll never forget, I said, oh, why me? That's what I said, why me? And my boss, John Prillo, went to church with me. He wasn't real spiritual, but he said something that day that I have never forgotten, Wayne. I'm holding my thumb going, why me? He looked at you and said, why not you? <laughs> and I realized how dumb that sounded. Who am I to think I should never hurt myself or experience pain? But we think that way a lot of times. We won't say it, but we act like I'm, I'm God's favorite child. I shouldn't be having a hard time. And maybe God's just wanting to see if you pass a test or not. We should be approved in our suffering. Number four, 2 Timothy chapter 2. You knew I was going to go there. Some of y'all are waiting for me to get over there. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. I love this verse. Our... Uh, we use this book in our discipleship ministry and the principles of growth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. Write this down. We should be approved in our studying. Look at what he says. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Is that what your Bible says? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Then it goes on to say, verse. Well, I want to read verse 14 because the context of all this is good stuff. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearer. Well, you say, how would I know if the words are profitable or not profitable? You know that by studying. I had a guy call me. He heard me on uh, Spencer Smith's uh, interview last week, and I said something about eternal security. When somebody asked, do you believe you can lose your salvation? I said, well, you can lose it if you, if you got it by your good works, you can lose it, yeah. But if you got it by grace through faith, you can't lose it. Paul said in Galatians, he said, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? How can you believe you're saved by grace through faith, but you're kept by your works? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked about salvation 
being by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, not of works, as any man should boast, not of works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy saved us. And just ran off a bunch of verses. I said, these people don't believe you can lose your salvation. None of them has ever told me what sin you have to commit in order to lose your salvation. They say you can lose it, but they ain't yet told me what you got to do. Jimmy Swagger fooled around with a prostitute and he didn't lose his salvation. All he had to do was cry and get, get forgiveness. He never had to get saved again. I'm just saying, if I thought I could lose my salvation, I think maybe that would be one of the things that you could do to lose it. Anyway, so a guy called me. He said, you threw that kind of, threw down the gauntlet. You kind of threw out that challenge. Said, nobody's ever showed you how you can lose your salvation. He said, would you like me to share with you some Bible verses about how you can lose your salvation? I said, no, not really. He said, well, you said nobody's ever showed you. I said, they hadn't. He said, well, I got some verses I want to show you. I said, I ain't got time. You're wasting your time. He got mad at me. Strive not about words, no profit, but the subverting of the hearers. I, I got bigger fish to fry. I listen to somebody talk to me for 45 minutes, tell me I can lose my salvation. That's heresy. I ain't got time for it. Let's keep reading. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, right? To divide in the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more than godliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, who concerning the truth have erred. Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure. All these verses are talking about knowing your Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God. That's the context of it. Talks about words with no profit and profane and vain babbling. You say, well, I don't know if it's profane and vain or not. Study your Bible. You'll figure it out. What's he saying? He says that God is, approves those people that take the time to take what he wrote us and read it and study it and figure out what it says. I put this in my notes. Study produces growth. Growth produces fruit. Fruit produces glory to God. Study the Bible. Know what your Bible says. There's no excuse if you've been saved any length of time that you don't know what the Bible says. Get a handle on it. This is your sword. Learn how to use it. You'll never know it all. You'll never understand it all. You'll learn something every time you pick it up. I feel now like I know less about the Bible than I did when I was a kid. If you'd asked me when I was a teenager, I'd have had all the answers. Now, don't ask me. I don't know. I'm not being humble. I'm being honest. I'm overwhelmed at the riches of the, of the Word of God and how much I don't know and how much I need to know. And every time I preach, I preach with fear and trepidation in my heart because I want to rightly divide the Word of truth because I want to seek God's approval on my studying and on my preaching. I want it to be right. I've misspoken from the pulpit. Before, I had to go back and fix stuff, correct stuff, and say, you know, I preached this, and boy, I was loud and passionate, but I went back, looked at it later, and not exactly how it is. That's embarrassing, but the truth of the matter is, God is impressed when we study his word. That's the point I'm trying to make tonight. So my question to you is, how, are you how is your approval in the sight of God in the area of study, the word of God? Do you study it, or do you just let somebody else study it for you? Lastly, but not least, turn over to Romans chapter number 14. Look at Romans chapter number 14. We see this word approved used again a couple times in the book of Romans. The apostle Paul uses it in chapter 14, again in chapter 16. Let's look at it. Chapter 14, verse number 18. For he uh, that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. 
He's talking about verse number 16, 17. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Let not let your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, things whereof one may edify another. He talks about serving Christ, serving the Lord, having the right spirit, the right heart, the right attitude towards one another concerned about one another, preferring one another, not taking your personal liberties and abusing them, causing other people to stumble and fall. That's the essence of what he's saying here. So write this down, number five, I'm done. We see we should be approved in our service. He that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. You see that word approved used there? Talking about how you serve the Lord, doing it, not abusing your liberty, and, and, uh, but, but doing it in faith. And uh, when we get to chapter number 16, verse number 10, we see it again. Uh, salute, Apelles approved in Christ. I was reading the whole chapter earlier, and Paul starts in verse number one, commending Phoebe, our servant, our sister, who is a servant of the church. You see that? That, she re that you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer. That word succorer means an assistant or a helper. A laborer, really means more of an assistant. And he goes on, talks about Aquila and Priscilla, my helpers, who've, uh, uh, who have from my life laid down their own necks, verse four. Greet the church that's in their house, verse number five. He's talking to these fellow saints. He's, this is a greeting and a salutation to some people that he knows that are laborers, that are servants, that are workers, have a heart for ministry. Verse six, greet Mary who bestoweth much labor, on us, you see that? He talks about these different people and he goes down through this list of names. All of them are, the thing they have in common is their love for God, their love for the church. Verse nine, our helper in Christ. Verse 10, salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them that are of Aristobulus' household. He goes to verse number 12, salute the beloved persons who labored much in the Lord. So he just kind of is talking about these that are involved in the ministry. I guess what I'm trying to say in closing tonight is the Apostle Paul says these that are servants and laborers, these that are working, these that have laid their necks out, these that, are, that, are, that are, have, have had a sacrificial life towards the church and the ministry and helping others, they've been approved in their service. I guess my question to you tonight is when God looks down at your service, your labor, does it pass the test? Or would we be one of those money changers that take that little metal coin and, and shave, shave as much off of it as we can? End up at the end of the day just really cheating. Let's just be honest. I think a lot of Christians, they do just enough to get by. They're more interested in how it looks. I mean, I, that's the context of the word approved. Is it genuine? Is it real? Is it sincere? Did you put forth your best effort or was it just a token gesture so that everybody think you're doing something and it's really not? That's what he was talking about when he says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as a service of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Is it real? Is it genuine? Was the effort, was the effort that you put forth in that task, was it approved of God because it brought God glory? Or was it just enough to bring you glory?
I'll be honest with you tonight. I'm afraid that many of our Christians today have figured out how to look like they're serving without really having to. We've figured out how to look like we're doing something. Have you ever worked on the job with somebody that worked harder at just not working than they would have if they had just worked? Don't that drive you crazy? If they were just to work, they would have an easier day. But they get so creative and they work themselves into a lather not working. I think we got Christians that do that. Because they want, they want to identify with people that are busy. They want to identify with people that are serving. They want, to, they want the recognition. I believe the Apostle Paul here, he's, he's, he's recognizing servants. Because the Apostle Paul was a servant. He calls himself often Paul the Apostle, the servant of Jesus Christ. That's how he starts out a lot of his epistles. He's a servant. He loved servants, had a heart for servants. He had a heart for people. People like Aquila and Priscilla that apparently they were so involved that they had church in their house. I'll tell you, we separate the sheep from the goats real fast if we say we're going to all meet at your house Sunday for church. And you can't show up 10 minutes late. Come on now. We had church in our house for years. You can't play. <laughs> you got to get everything set up and we'll greet everybody and have church and then take it all down, put it all back up. It's about as involved as you can get having church in your house. And Paul's recognizing all these people. And I love how he says, salute Apelles, approved in Christ. He's passed the test. And God approves of him as a servant along with all these others. I guess my question to you tonight as we bow our heads and close our eyes, musicians are coming. I wonder tonight, are you approved of God? Can you honestly say, after just this short Bible study tonight, just this short word study, can you honestly say tonight in these areas that God approves of your life?